0: morning, Sunday people. Morning. You're looking good today. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. wasn't with you last week. I, I spent the week uh, with my mom and dad in Columbia, South Carolina. It's hard to watch your parents grow old. You can pray for them. I went to church with my brother a few days later in a Presbyterian Church USA, PCUSA church in Florida. And uh, they're trying to do a lot of the same things that we've done here. And uh, let me just say this without disparaging anyone. I am so thankful for everybody up on this stage. They do a great job. They really do. It's a hard road to uh, plow. And uh, my goodness, we've come a long way. So thank you for your patience, and our folks t- are amazing. So please thank them. Uh, gratitude is, is is a virtue. A couple things before we dig into the text and talk about what it means to go and listen to our heart soil this morning. Uh, you've heard a lot about Science Mike for the last month or so. Now, Science Mike is uh, a nationally known Podcaster. Does anybody know what a podcaster is? Okay. Thanks for the three hands that went up. <laughs> what is happening here? Uh, anyway, Mike is going to use our facility and uh, do a live podcast here. Now, Mike's story is really quite interesting because he was a man of faith, uh, and he lost in the church doing Sunday school, teaching Sunday school, a deacon, and he lost his faith while he was in church. And he became an atheist. Just let that sink in for a moment. And he had all kinds of questions because he didn't see how science necessarily connected with faith, but he didn't see that they were mutually oppositional to one another. It's just the things that he was taught confused him. So he began a journey uh, back into faith, and that's where he has landed. He tries to connect issues of science, with faith and he does it in a way that creates space for people to engage there and the fascinating part about his missiological method and strategy in this is he really connects with people that are on the margins folks that have lost faith atheism have become agnostics that's a big word anybody know what that word means okay an agnostic is somebody who believes in god but acts like there isn't one okay Get your mind around that. So he's going to be here, there's no real agenda. The agenda is whatever your questions are becomes the agenda. So it should be a really fun, uh, impromptu, improv kind of an evening. And I'm sure there will be places where his responses may create a little bit of dissonance for us. That's okay, remember this is a missional strategy to those who have walked away from faith who have, or who have been hurt by faith or who have, are on the far, far outskirts of faith, but still struggling to find something. And I'm sure then there will be moments in the night when our faith will be inspired as well. So join us uh, this Wednesday night. You can get your tickets. It's a question and answer format. One other word for all of us here, there, there will be a memorial service for Ed Ironman on October 27th at 10 o'clock here at Placentia Presbyterian Church. I wanted, wanted to make you aware that that is happening. So at PPC right now, we're in a season of sowing many seeds, planting seeds uh, in a lot of different places. Yesterday, uh, there were folks from PPC at the Heritage Festival for three, four hours, handing out stuff. We're doing this, we're doing that. You're invited. Spin the wheel, everybody wins. No one goes away empty handed, sowing seeds. Last night, uh, there was a solidarity banquet, and I think a His House banquet also, if I'm not mistaken. No? That's coming? Okay, a solidarity banquet where we talked about the ways in which Solidarity and PPC and others are sowing seeds in our neighborhood here and in the Maple neighborhood in Fullerton. Yeah, we're sowing seeds. Science Mike is coming Wednesday, and of course, our Fall Fest coming a week from today. So we're in a season of sowing seeds. That should be good. You happy about that? All right, get happy about it. And uh, please join us for all those things as we roll out the red carpet and uh, say to the neighborhood, hey, man, the church is here. And even though it looks pretty gloomy out there, God still is. So join us. Join us for that stuff. All right, let's go to the text this morning. It's it's chapter 8, verse 1, pretty familiar text in the Gospel of Luke. Um, Some people call this the parable of the sower, In fact, if you have your Bible open, the heading for this may actually say the parable of the sower. I'm going to change it. It's the parable of the soils. Okay, I'm going to take a little pastoral privilege here. and I think there's more in the soils here than there is about the sower. So listen to this this great little parable that that Jesus talks about. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another. So you just got to love, Jesus is on the move. Right? He's not going to one place. He's on the move. Proclaiming, here's what he's doing. The good news of the kingdom of God. The good news of the realm of God. The mission of Christ is on the move. The mission of Christ is going. Next slide. Thank you very much. Joanna, the wife of Cusa. Oh, yeah, there we go. I'm going to look at this one from now on. Now this is where it gets interesting. The twelve were with him. Notice that. One, two, three, four, five words. The twelve. The twelve disciples. The twelve male disciples. That's all we get. Five words. Twelve men were with him. And also some women, we don't know how many, who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. An undisclosed number. Some. Some. 10, 15, 25, we don't know. Now we're naming a few of those women. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Now it's interesting about Mary uh, Magdalene. Mary Magdalene, it became tradition about the 5th century that she was a woman who worked the streets. That came 400 years after the writing of the text. Isn't that interesting? There's no evidence in the text that Mary was working the red light district. All we know about Mary is that she was healed by seven demons. Now, isn't it interesting that our politics and our ideology and our traditions later on rewrite the text? It's fascinating to me. It's not in the text, but somebody rewrote it. So there's Mary Magdalene. Now, another gal was there, Joanna, the wife of Cusa, just made that up, hope I made, did justice to it. Now, this is interesting because she was the manager of Herod's. sorry, <laughs> Herod's, maybe I need another vacation, Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household. So Cusa managed Herod's household, Cusa was married to Joanna. You see what's happening here as Jesus' ministry goes? He he connects with people on the margins. He also is connecting with people in politics, high up. It's not just us, raggedy-tagged church folk. Susanna was also there, and we know nothing about Susanna other than her name. Not a thing. And again, many others. Here's a great line. These women were helping to support them financially out of their own means. This could be a sermon on its own. It's not going to be. But I wanted us to notice the 12 and all these women were following Jesus wherever he went, helping to finance that ministry, that itinerant movement. And the emphasis of the text is on the work of the women. Does that sound familiar? Yep. Okay, now we're gonna get to the parable. That was all extra. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, trampled path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground. And when it came up, the plants, the seed, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, so a third category, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed, fourth category, fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. Now back in the day, if you yielded a crop of about 35-fold. That was a really good crop. Notice the crop here yields 100-fold. This is a good crop. This is a crop that's going to send you and your family and maybe even your children and grandchildren to Hawaii for a couple weeks. That's exactly what's going to happen here. Or for many of us, pay off a little debt. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. I love this. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. I like that. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing, they may not see, though hearing, they may not understand. And this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear it, the hard path, the trampled path. They hear the word of God, and yet the enemy comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Yikes. Those on the rocky ground, second category, are the ones who receive the word with great joy when they hear it. But they have no root. It doesn't take root. They believe for a little while, but when times get difficult, when there's a time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns, the third type of soil, stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way of life, they're choked out by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. Pleasures there, literally translated, Hebrew to, in, sorry, Greek to English, hedonism. Pleasure for the sake of pleasure, and they do not mature. And then the fourth, it's the one we're after. But the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it. And this is curious. And by persevering, by being patient, by going the distance, Sorry, a baseball thing there. What was the name of that movie again? Go the distance. Walk into the field in Iowa. Field of dreams, thank you. This is what happens when you get to be my age. And by persevering, by going the distance, they produce a crop. The reading of God's word. Thanks be to God, right? Great text. Absolutely great text. Sometimes in life, you have to take a look at where you're facing. Sometimes in life, you have to do a little self-examination. This parable is one of those moments in life. As we go, today's a moment where we have to listen to our heart's soil. Because when we go... In the name of Christ, we got to check in with ourselves once in a while. A little accountability perhaps, a little self-examination, a little GPS check. Am I headed in the right direction or do I need to proceed to the root? Proceed to the root. Take a U-turn. I don't think I've ever told this story, and you're going to find out why in a minute, because it's slightly embarrassing. When I was in Seattle for however many years, 15 years, there were about nine different hospitals that you would navigate. There were a few that were always the same. Every once in a while, you'd have to go to a hospital that you weren't familiar with. Now, what's interesting in many hospitals, and I've discovered that even here in our area and location, is you've got the original hospital that was built, and then they've added on, and it's like a maze, right? And oftentimes, you go to the front desk, and you get a map. Right? You get a map because you're going to get lost trying to find your way. So it was one of these kind of hospitals, and it was a new time for me. I'd never been there before. I went to the front desk, washed my hands like you're supposed to, checked in, gave my ID, got all my cards, you know, all that stuff, got my map. Take a right turn, take a left turn, do three somersaults, take, uh, do a high five, get to this elevator. I got to the elevator, I walked into the elevator, turned around, and I punched the floor I needed to go to, number four. Sat there, looked up, we stopped at two, we stopped at three, we stopped at four. All really brief. One thing I noticed, though, is the door never opened and I wasn't quite sure what was happening. I'm at four, this is my floor, hit the four button again, what the heck is going on? Nothing. I'm starting to get a little nervous, I'm not claustrophobic, but I'm busy. And I'm impatient because, I, you know, traffic, it's an hour to get there and an hour to get home. I hit the button three or four more times, nothing. Door open button, nothing. Then I do this, I go right to the middle of the door and I try to pry it open. (laughs) Right? I'm I'm literally trying to pry this thing open. I'm thinking, what the heck is going on? I don't have time for this. And I stopped and I realized and I turned around. It was one of those elevators. I'm not kidding you, it was one of those elevators where the door that you're getting out of is not the one you got in on. Psych! I was totally irritated. People are standing around there watching me. Nobody's filling me in on the deal. I might have even said some words that I can't repeat here. Tried to compose myself and gather myself. Boy, thank you. It's just like that. I couldn't believe it. This text today may be one of those types of task texts. I don't know if you caught it when I read it, but the word here, here, here appears seven times in the in our journey of these 15 verses. Now, before we go too far into this, we've got to talk a little bit about what a parable is. A parable is something that is literally thrown down alongside of something, and it requires work on the listener's part. To really get into a a text like this, a story like this, you have to hear. It requires work on your part. You can't be updating your Facebook status right now, Joanna. (laughs) She wasn't. She was looking right at me, but we love each other, so I felt like that was cool. It does, it requires, it requires work on your part. You can't let it go. It puts a burden on the listener, and it's not an intellectual burden. Rather, it teases the mind into active thought, imagination. It disarms us and engages us, somewhat like poetry. Some of the truths in the parable are easily accessible and some of the truths in the parable are hard to discern and to discover. That's why in the parable some understood it and others didn't. That's why the disciples turned duh disciples needed it to be interpreted. It gives me a little sense of hope actually. So to understand this, we've got to ask a few questions and then dig in. What is the seed? The seed is God's Word. Okay, good start. Now, you've got to remember, when Jesus was saying these things, speaking God's Word, there was no such thing as the Word of God. So, what is the Word of God according to Jesus? Because that's the seed. It's the teaching of Christ about the realm of God before it was written down. Now we're lucky today because we have that seed written down. And the other thing that we notice in this parable is that the Word of God grows in one's heart. The seed, the Word of God, Planted in the heart, either grows, gets choked out, isn't deep enough, or is trampled over. So if we really want to follow Jesus as a disciple, not a disciple, in the things of the realm of God, here it is, here's how we do it. Are you ready? This This is tweetable. Joanna, get ready. We read about what Jesus did in the Gospels and we do those exact same things. Even if they don't agree with some of our really big core values. I think this text wants us to take a look at What kind of soil is in our heart? Four kinds of soil in the heart. First kind of soil is the hard heart soil. Now, back in the day, farmers would uh, create a little path, and they had pouches with their seed in it, and they'd walk down the path, and they'd, they'd sow seed. They'd throw the seed, and they would walk up and down this path. And this path would get hard. If seed fell on that path, (laughs) nothing would grow. It might grow in other places, but it wouldn't grow where that path was completely and totally trampled. It's not conducive to growth. You can't get established. The heat burns it up. The birds eat it. Maybe even the wind blows it away. A number of years ago, I was on a... uh, I was on a safari in Africa. And, uh, you know, you get to go and see all the, all the big five and everything else that comes along. And uh, the, One of the gals I was with, really good friend, Sonia, uh, she loves hippopotamuses, hippos. And so we were on the hunt to look for hippos for Sonia because that was going to be it. If we find a hippo for Sonia, it was worth the $1,000 trip to get her there. And sure enough, we find a hippo. And hippos are kind of... First of all they're scary but they're funny too. Huge bodies, tiny legs and feet. They can run up to 25 miles an hour. They hunt at night, but they create tiny little paths that are only about 6 to 8 inches wide where the ground is trampled. How is that possible? <laughs> How is that possible? In fact, seared in my brain right now to this day is watching the backside of a hippo run down this tiny little thing and his butt's in the air and doing everything. But that path, that path was trampled. Nothing was going to grow on that path. Seed thrown, the Word of God sown on that kind of path will not produce any fruit. What's the soil of your heart? Is it hard? Is it just rock hard? Has cynicism driven you to that kind of hardness? Is the hurt runs so deep that nothing will grow? Is the pain that entrenched into not just the hard disk of your mind, but even into the soil of your heart? Hard heart soil, nothing grows. And it's a tragedy. second kind of heart is a shallow soil heart. A little bit more about the agriculture in, in the Middle East. Uh, very, very common to have two or three inches of topsoil and then underneath, underneath it to have heavy duty limestone. So again, as the sower, the farmer, would go out, walk down his path, throw seeds, some of the seed would fall on soil that was only two or three inches deep and then right underneath it was limestone the seed had the ability to at least begin to grow some roots but then it then it hit the rock the limestone nowhere else to go sun would burn it up it got started but it wasn't able to get and grow deeper and this is someone whose faith is shallow Somebody who bounces from emotional high to emotional high, from feel-good experience to feel-good experience, right? But yet when the tough gets, when the going gets tough, they get going. They just go. They're gone. Got to get, get high again somewhere. It's a great quote by Rumi that captured my imagination. He said, Maybe you're searching among the branches for what only appears deep in the roots. The love and grace and forgiveness of God grows deep. That's what produces fruit. That's the patience of a lifetime. Children fascinate me. There was a a great little story, a story told of a, a young girl in a classroom who really didn't pay attention that much. Anybody here? Go ahead, be honest. I mean, daydreaming, you know, looking out the window, the whole list. Daydreams a lot, didn't pay attention much. Anyway, the teacher came up to class one day and said, Okay, class, I have an exercise for you. I want you to just draw a picture of something very important to you. Everybody started to work. Teacher was kind of astounded and taken back when she looked in the back row and the student, the girl that didn't really pay attention very much was hard at work drawing her thing. Teacher was intrigued. She went back, said, what are, you, what are you doing? She says, I'm drawing a picture like you asked me to. Well, what are you drawing a picture of? Teacher said, I'm drawing a picture of God. Oh, the hard heart teacher, the hard soil teacher said, Nobody knows what God looks like. Little girl goes. Oh, but teacher, they will in a minute. <laughs> right? That's faith. Might not be fully formed faith, but there's some root there. That girl's on her road. Do you have a shallow heart soil? There's a third kind of soil in this parable. It's the crowded heart soil. This is the person who really doesn't weed out the things that hinder the harvest. Oh yeah, there's enough soil, there's enough nutrients, there's enough moisture, the roots can go down deep, but there's not enough room for the plant to grow and produce fruit. It'll carry it to harvest. In the topography of Israel, weeds can be extremely evasive. They can can get to be six feet high and six feet wide. So you can imagine if there's a good plant there, if it's not weeded out, it will choke out the produce. Anybody here choking their faith out? The text says cares, self-preoccupations, riches, your portfolio, and pleasures, hedonism. FOMO! The one with the crowded heart comes closest to a flourishing life, but still unable to bring fruit. Then, here's good news. Three bad news, right? Hard heart soil, shallow heart soil, crowded heart soil, good soil. Good soil. It's the only good heart soil in this parable that's fruitful. This is the person who hears the word of God, understands the word of God, wrestles with the word of God, chews on the word of God, obeys the word of God so that it produces fruit a hundredfold. What I like about this parable is that Luke assumes that even the hearers here are going through pretty rough times. Anybody here going through kind of a rough time, a confusing time? A chaotic time? A curious time? A, a, oh man, I hope things work out time. And those are putting it almost as nicely as I can. And Luke assumes for them the same way we receive it today. There's tremendous pressure to remain faithful. Good soil perseveres. Good soil is patient. Good soil goes the distance. Good soil waits for the seed to be planted in a soft heart heart to be watered to be nurtured until it grows to fruition a hundredfold this is not a sprint it's a journey this is not about a moment in your life this is about the trajectory of your whole life because every single one of us in this room could probably as we're doing a little self-reflection <laughs> right oh yeah i got a, i got a hard heart Oh, yeah, it's shallow there. Man, i gotta, I got to do some trimming. Every once in a while, there's some good hard soil. The bamboo is fascinating. You plant the bamboo seed. You water it. First year, nothing. Second year, you keep watering it. Nothing. Third year, nothing, fourth year nothing, fifth year nothing, sixth nothing, seventh nothing, and finally, you know how the story goes? In one year after laying dormant, for six and a half years it'll grow 15 or more feet. Depending on the weather, it can get even to 30 or 40 feet high. That's the perseverance and the patience that Luke is asking us to lean into. So a few minutes of silence. How's that? Which soil best describes your heart right now? It's just you and Jesus. Which soil best describes your heart right now. Second question. Which soil would you like to be? Third question, what are you willing to do, what must you do to move from where you are to where you aspire to be? This isn't judgment about soil hard heart soil, shallow heart soil, crowded heart soil. This is good news gospeling. In the move from disciples to disciple. Would you join me in prayer as I pray? for each and every one of you in the ways that you just answered those three questions. Till the soil of this congregation, till the soil of these people. Break up the cynicism of a trampled heart deep in pain. Transplant shallow soiled roots into deeper soil, weeding as necessary, until health, wholeness, grace, freedom, forgiveness, and a flourishing life overflow a hundredfold. May every person and all these people know that they are so dearly cherished, not just by their pastor, but by you, creator, redeemer, and spirit of God, in whose name we pray.